Before we get started today, I want to thank everyone who wrote a testimonial for my website. Those of you who wrote testimonials had some really kind and encouraging things to say, and I'm really deeply grateful. As most of you know, I'm doing audio production full-time now, and I'm going to be launching my personal website to promote that business, and I'm collecting testimonials. So if you haven't written me a testimonial yet, I do really need some more. So if you have a couple minutes and you've enjoyed the audio production and my voice on the Messy Studio Podcast for the last few years, please go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and fill out the contact form. Good testimonials are going to be vital to my business taking off. So thank you once again to everyone who's already written one. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about creating a daily series. Working in series is a very rewarding approach for artists, and it's usually a fairly involved project in terms of both time and focus. Artists are often known for their developed series, bodies of work that explore ideas in a sustained, deep way. But the intriguing aspects of working in series can also happen in a quicker, more spontaneous way, with a new piece each day. Today we'll look at working in series with a sketchbook or small works on paper and explore how this can be an important part of an artist's practice. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. So way back in episode 38, (laughs) this is like over two years ago, um, we talked about working in series and like what that is, um, why do it, but we really haven't talked about it very much since then. So um, I thought it would be good to revisit the idea, but with kind of a different take on it. Um, and just to kind of um, go back to kind of um, recap some of what we talked about in that earlier um, episode, we talked about what series are, and it's, you know, it's this work that shows you have a sustained interest in something, a willingness to go deeper. Um, they are... Uh, ways to develop both your technical ability and um, things that you're interested in. And it's a way to generate new ideas as you go. Um, You can preconceive it uh, ahead of time and set your parameters or boundaries, or you can just see that a series has evolved and kind of go with it. Um, And it allows your your viewers to understand you know, who you are as an artist when they can see this whole body of related work. And they also help you organize your own thinking and your own direction. And one of the characteristics of a series is that it has some kind of limitations or boundaries or parameters around it. So whether those are things you decide on ahead of time or whether, you know, you see them happening and then you develop it in that way. So that's just kind of a reminder Um and if you want to go back and, you know, listen to that episode again, that was uh, number 38. Um, but today we're going to talk about uh, series that are a little bit different in that they are done uh, either daily or very frequently. And they're not these developed big paintings. They're quickly done. Um, but all the things that are attractive about working for a, in a series can be true for these uh, shorter, um, quickly, more quickly, spontaneously done works. Um, maybe think of it kind of like a, a journal, you know, a visual 
diary. Um, and so I thought. So it'd these be- daily series are are they going to be typically just for your own your own use, your own gratification? Uh, or do, could they become something that you present to other people as well? They, they definitely can. Um, and I'm going to talk about the artist James Edward Sherbarth and a series that he developed in this way uh, in some detail in a little bit. Or it can be just for yourself. You know, it can be something that maybe you share a couple of them if they if you like them, but you don't have to. I mean, this can be very personal. Um they could also be a uh, a collaborative series. I seem to remember you uh, doing something where you were taking a, a photograph at a certain time of day and sharing yeah. it with a friend. Yes, that was a lot like that. It was it was photography, not um, drawing. But yeah, every it was once a week. Every Wednesday at two o'clock, I would take a photo. I think she had a different time that she did, and then we would exchange the photos. And it was really interesting to see where the person was, where my friend was at that particular time. Um, yeah, something like that. You know, you could do. Um, I guess you know what I've experienced lately is a, what I call my my pandemic journal or my pandemic sketchbook. So I'm going to talk about that. Um, in a bit too. So kind of contrasting actually the way that, uh, comparing and contrasting the way that Jim, Jim, the person I mentioned before, and I have approached this, they're a bit different. And so really, it is what you want it to be, um, of course, like everything in art. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it can be something a little more conceptual as his is, or it could be something very kind of stream of consciousness or intuitive. Um, as mine are. His are intuitive as well, but he's got uh, more of a focus. Um, so it, I think of these things, um, this way of working as particularly interesting or important when you're going through something in your life, when you're, when you're processing something, they can be especially uh, useful. And um, you can feel motivated, I think, to do this every day if it becomes a habit that's kind of helping you uh, kind of explore something or process something. And it, for me anyway, be- has become kind of a ritual uh, practice, which, you know, I said before in the podcast, I, I'm not big into rituals in the studio. I pretty much go in and just start working. But um, ever since I started making um, a drawing in my sketchbook every day, usually right at the beginning when I walk in, it's become this kind of, um, you know, grounding activity or I am now in the studio. Um, it's a it's a shift from the rest of life into that other mode of being. Um, and, but there are certain parameters around what I do as well. So um, I guess I'll yeah, I just kind of dive into talking about this one that I've been keeping during the pandemic, because that's another reason I wanted, I got interested in this whole topic. And then uh, seeing what, what Jim had done with a similar idea was really interesting. But I think it's a it's a good thing to share. It's a good thing to consider. Is this something you want to do? Maybe already do it. Um, and I also wanted to say before I got going that I do work in a sketchbook, and sometimes even the idea of of drawing in a sketchbook, people think right away of something um, realistic or something, you know, they're going to sit down and render something. And 
I don't that's sort of a holdover, I guess, from art school or something. I had that feeling for a long time. I didn't particularly use sketchbooks, um, other than maybe for some notes or little thumbnail drawings or something. And then um I sort of opened up my mind to the fact that, hey, it's just a piece of paper, you know, it's a new piece of paper every day. What you do on it is entirely up to you. And uh so what and what I've been doing in my sketchbook is uh, really, really quick things and just exploring materials. So this, um, I didn't start out thinking of it as any kind of daily practice or series. It just, um, I found myself oh, pretty often just kind of opening up the sketchbook and doing something in a, a quick way, in a exploring materials kind of way. And, and it was enjoyable. And it was, I did start doing that I don't know when it was April, May, something. Uh, it was at more at the beginning of this thing that we're going through now, <laughs> this pandemic. And then at some point, I started wanting to do it every day. So it wasn't uh, a chore. It wasn't you know that I um, felt like I had to. It had to be a discipline. But it, it turned into something I really wanted to do every day. And at this point, it's <laughs> it's gone into a. I don't know what a compulsion or I feel like even if it's the only thing I do in the studio and there are days, you know, of course, when it's really busy or something's going on and I don't get to the studio for very long. But even if I'm only there a short time, I'm going to do this thing in the sketchbook. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you've developed it into a habit and something that is uh, maybe even kind of ritualized in a way. Like you have kind your cup of, of coffee, is. you go down to the studio, you do some sketching. It's kind, It kind of is a ritual. I've got a place um, on my countertop here where I have different materials laid out. And they're, they're all water-based um, or drawing materials. They're just kind of scattered around. And um, I never... I guess part of the part of the fun of it is I don't think of it ahead of time. I don't think of it till I'm right there, and I, I just kind of almost randomly pick something up from this um, assortment, <laughs> which is um, oh, there's uh, different kinds of pencils. There's compressed charcoal, which I love because it's really dark and rich. Um, I have some wax crayons. I have um, I have gouache acrylic ink. Um, I've got different things to put them on with, like, you know, um, squeegees, brayers, brushes. I've got powdered pigments, um, and I've done a lot of kind of interesting things by sprinkling powdered pigment into paint or into, um, I use clear gesso a lot. I'll sprinkle some onto the gesso and then start moving it around. Um, I use uh, this product called Spectrafix, which is meant for fixing, um, you know, it's a fixative for, say, pastel, but it also has this interesting quality when you spray it on paper um, over something like charcoal, it sort of liquefies it if you put it on kind of heavy, more than you would if you're trying to fix it. But a few extra squirts, and it's it's non-toxic, which is nice too. It's not an aerosol. So you pump it on, and then it kind of liquefies your medium and uh, your media, and you, then you can sort of push it around and play with it. So, so you could tell as I'm talking, this is this is playful. This is fun. Um, and it's interesting because I really did think of it as a way to sort of process the heaviness of the pandemic. Um, and maybe that 
maybe that's a, you know, we need some fun. We need some play. Uh, it, it is connected to it somehow, and I'm not exactly sure because I'm kind of in the middle of it. Um, well, and it is something that is creative and energetic, and I'm sure it's naturally affecting the way the way that your work is is progressing, your your main line of work. Um, and I, I kind of wonder if maybe this isn't something that can be integrated into – uh, like a, a kind of a daily goal setting or, um, you know, long-term forecasting type practice that a lot of people do. Um, I think that's really true. And I've been reading um, a book. I've just got to grab it here. Um, it's called The Power of Daily Practice. And it's by um, Eric Maisel, who's a creativity coach. He has a, uh, he's written many books. Um, and uh, we're actually going to be interviewing him uh, on Cold Wax Academy. So I, I bought his book so I could read up on it. And he really talks a lot about daily practices and how they, um, how you can set them up and kind of stick to them and, and the different ingredients that go into something that's a daily practice. And and one of them is definitely play. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable. You, a daily practice, it really helps if it's um, – if it's entertaining in some way, <laughs> not like, oh, I got to do the sketchbook, but uh, something you look forward to. So anyway, I, I recommend that book, actually. I put the title um, on when we uh, publish this episode. Real quick, it's time for an update on the latest news from Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, are now well into their second quarter of weekly live sessions for their members, in which they explore three-minute topics in deep, interrelated, and engaging ways. This quarter, those topics are texture, layering, and writing and talking about your work. Weekly sessions include discussion, side presentations, videos, critiques, special guests, and the opportunity to ask questions during the session. Cold Wax Academy members have access to all past sessions, which are recorded each week. So if you're hesitating to join mid-quarter, no worries about missing out. There is plenty for you to explore, and you can watch previous sessions on your own schedule. Jerry and Rebecca offer a trial month at the core level for only $29.99. So visit coldwaxacademy.com and click on memberships for more information. That's coldwaxacademy.com and click on memberships. All right, let's get back into it. Okay, so yeah, I was talking about my uh, pandemic sketchbook, which really, you know, now has become this personal record of this time. And I don't really, I don't have an analysis of it. I don't know what it's about. I mean, it may be that when I look back at it, when all this is over, I'll I'll see something, you know, I'll see, oh, I had this kind of theme going or these certain shapes, because definitely uh, there's some repetition in there of a certain type of shape, lines, uh, marks, and things like that. Um, and anyway, they honestly, they take two minutes or less to do. <laughs> um, and you were kind of touching on the idea that there has been some crossover into my bigger work, my more developed work. Um, again, it feels like I'm just... I'm just getting a feel for that. I don't think it's really um, affected it very much, but certain kinds of um, shapes or marks have been uh, coming through. And I do put some of these on Facebook. I do share some of these, like on Instagram. The ones that please me, um, you know, I post them. There's some that are just, you know, complete messes. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I mean... It, 
you have to accept if you're doing this every day that some of them are going to be uh, not very pleasing. And, you know, if it's if it's all direct and done in the moment, there's going to be some that just don't uh, turn out. But anyway, and it, it, so the li- I mentioned that series have limitations. They have parameters or boundaries that kind of make, right. This is how they're defined. Yeah, it makes them a series. Um, and and so in this case, it is a daily practice. Um, and the sketchbooks themselves obviously limit the size, the format, the kind of paper. Um, I have used different types of sketchbooks, and always people are always saying, "Well, what what sketchbook do you like?" I don't know. I just keep trying different ones. Right now, it's a Grumbacher mixed media, which is very nice. Um, my other parameters are just that collection of materials that I mentioned that just sit there right by the little table where I do this, um, and I also, because I do identify this as something I'm doing during the time of COVID. Um, I expect that the series will come to an end when uh, we we finally get back to normal life. I don't think there's a day when we say, "Oh, we're done with COVID," but you know, I think there will become a day when I say it's not so overwhelming anymore, and I'm going to turn to something else. So, in that sense, it's you know, it's a diary, it's a journal of this time, um, and I wanted to talk uh, in depth about um, Jim Sherbarth's work. Um, James Edward Sherbarth. We'll put his website up as well. And he's done this series um, called the Curruck and Stone series. So I'll explain the word Curruck in just a minute. But his um, his series has really been more uh, like more focused. I would say more more consciously developed than mine. So that's another perfectly fine way to approach this. Uh, I think he also works very intuitively, but he's got this, he's got a concept that he's working with quite definite, um, but it's still, you know, flexible enough that he, when he was making this series, he was doing um, at least one, if not several at a sitting, um, because he found this really rich vein of ideas that were stemming from these two symbolic objects that, that appear in all of this series. And one of them is a stone or stones, um, and the other is the Curragh, which is an Irish boat. Um, and it's a kind of a, a small little craft that would be used for were fish for fishing in Ireland. And um, he worked on this daily uh, for about a month, and or almost daily, I guess he didn't every single day, but he made 72 images. He set that uh, point end point when he was at some point during the process because he was going to be turning uh, 72 years old. So he thought, well, one one uh, image for each year of his life. And I asked him to tell me more about this, and he, he kindly shared a lot of thoughts about this um, by email. And he started this thing because of the need to adapt to being at home um, in a small space due to pandemic, and also because he was uh, dealing with a cancer diagnosis, so a lot to process. And he had been working in this beautiful big studio, like 800 square feet, um, and painting mostly with um, oil and cold wax. And now... He finds himself working at his dining room table and limiting to similar uh, drawing materials that I use and things that, you know, he could work with in his house. 
And when he emailed me about this, he talked about um, the process of finding the focus of the series and, and these symbols that he's using. It started out, he said, kind of randomly kind of searching and then um, also looking at some past work. And he recognized that um, he had this longtime interest in in uh, stones, in rocks, stone circles, rock shapes, um, and the importance of travel in his life, and particularly um, spending time in Ireland. In Ireland, you know, standing stones, stone circles, um, rocky coastline on the on the west of Ireland, where he's been. And he said that all of this, this I'm quoting him now, all of this distilled over the years to a moment in November when confronted with a pencil and a blank sheet of paper, I immediately rendered a stone and then added a collage element representing um, a curragh, Irish boat. In that moment, the reading, the traveling, and the painting I had been doing for years coalesced, and the Curragh and Stone series was born. And he drew inspiration um, from the Irish poet John O'Donohue and his view of stones as sacred, and also on ideas from animism and the connection between all beings. So when he's drawing these stones and the boat, um, they the stones particularly he mentioned, they take on personalities almost. They uh, become, as he put it, conveyors of thought and emotion. And the Kurok, um symbol, they're, they're Irish boats with a long history. And to him, they symbolize vessels, uh, transporters of people, a means of travel, containers. And so there's, he's only got these two images and all of these little drawings and, and works, mixed media works. Um, but because they're quite rich symbols for him, and they also have a lot of um, you know different textures and colors that he could work with, um, that it just, I mean, it's just amazing to see these. And I'm going to put up some images on the Facebook page of what he did with these, because each one is sort of a story or a narrative or a, a thought. The titles are quite um, evocative that he puts on them. And um, anyway, it, this this whole thing ended, um, I guess, in January. And he's gone on uh, recent work. I see the Kurok in there, and I see other things that have come out of um, his series. So what are some of the limitations that he put on this series then? You say it ended, so there, there must have been some kind of limitation there. <laughs> right, right. So like any series, yes, he had some definite uh, goals, some definite boundaries. He His uh, media that he used was, was limited to, he didn't have quite as much stuff on the table as I did, I guess, but limited to uh, graphite, pencil, uh, collage, watercolor pencils, so water-soluble uh, colored pencils, erasers, and glue. <laughs> so that was what's happening in all of these. Limited imagery, as I said, the, the stone and the boat. And there's the background is just blank. I mean, you just see these um, images on the paper, which enhances that feeling of symbolism that we've talked about in the previous episode here. Um so they're they're rendered somewhat realistically, but they're in an abstract context. They're just sitting on a blank background, um, and limited elements. You know, a certain kinds of shapes, certain kinds of colors, and simple compositions. Um, and he's his real really his intention for this was to evoke um, 
what he said, memories, associations, and emotions. Um, whatever he was processing and thinking about, um, kind of, they, the ideas seem to come from different places, but they always are uh, focused in these two I images, these two symbols, and how they relate. So there's different arrangements of them. Um, and like I said, the limitation, 72. Um, he he did want uh, that there would, he did want there to be a closure to it, that it wouldn't just sort of peter out and kind of end in an arbitrary way. And, and um, you know, he, he said that that was important. And I, I can see that. Um, it does help you, I think, uh, maybe put more energy into it if it's something you know that has an end to it and um he did he did say that you know it depends on how you work you your own ideas might be more open-ended you might work until you just ran dry um yeah and i'm i'm looking at his series right now actually oh and, yeah uh it's uh, it's it's really interesting because there are these elements of minimalism that I I think really kind of come from the limitations that he put on the series. Yes, um, but within that, he's able to explore so much in terms of the materials, and he's able to create movement and uh, really explore in depth uh, just what he can create within the, those limitations. Yeah, um, I, that's I, that's really what's fascinating about this. I mean, you think, okay, stones in a boat, <laughs> what can you do? Oh, yeah, how yeah. <laughs> many ways can you do that? It turns out a lot. A you know? lot. And, and he was posting these on Facebook um, as he did them. And it just, it almost felt like um, every time you saw one, it was another page in a book or something. There was some... Uh, new idea that would come out, and he a lot of people were following this and really being interested in these, um, and and responding to them. They are also beautifully done. I mean, there there is that minimalism, as you say, that simplicity. They're very elegant, really, the way things are placed and the relationships um, between them. And this is kind of a restraint. I, I like, I like that. I like it when people deal with emotional stuff in this restrained way. It just, it just, um, it gives you a little bit of, I don't know what that is, a little distance on it or appreciation. There's often this this phrase in in creative expression that you have to think outside the box, mm -hmm. and I think that there needs to be a box in the first place in order to think outside of it. And early on, that, that box can be, the constraints that are on our art can be very uh, based on our, our situation and what we have available to us and needing to work creatively within the limitations that life has imposed on us. Uh -huh. And I think working in a series is a way to get back to that, that core um, creativity that comes out of necessity when you do have limitations on you. Mm -hmm. And it, I think... It you know, it can seem a little bit artificial to people to set these limitations um, because part of a brains think, oh, come on, you know, it's, it's anything goes. <laughs> um, and yet it is liberating somehow to have that, um, I guess, the box and, and starting from the box, what can you do with it? Because um, you go deeper, that's what you do. And even if you feel, you know, if you if you try this, and even if you feel like a lot of it is repetitive, um, that's okay. 
I mean, in a way, nobody has to see it but yourself if that's what you choose. And I look at my own, uh, now I have like six or seven of these um, sketchbooks, and there is a lot of repetition. Um, it's almost sometimes a comfort, a place to start with a certain shape or a certain um, way of working with the materials. And then these little interesting quirks happen, and so each one is different to my eyes. Um, they might look boring to someone else. I, I totally get that. <laughs> um, but it's for you, and it, you know if you're doing this. Um, and so it, it also frees you from somebody else's eyes if you don't choose to have them, and it frees you from judgment. Um, if, you think, if you think things like, oh, but I'm just being repetitive, um, you can let that go. And, and what is ritual but repetition, after all? Um, with Jim's work, every time he repeats it, there's something new. There's some new idea uh, because his series is very conceptual. I think if you're working, um, oh, I don't know, without that, just I, I think of mine as sort of stream of consciousness. <laughs> it's like whatever. Um, the repetition is like an anchor um, that these certain certain little I've been doing these little certain ovals on things I don't know what they are I just keep making these little ovals and um are they footsteps are they rocks I don't know are they just little ovals but there they are and they keep coming up and it's kind of a there's a, a I don't know what I'm looking for kind of a center to these things that comes from repetition and ritual really um, and I, I also wanted to mention with, with Jim's work that um, he did end the series, yes, and then he said, uh, he wrote that in the case of my Kurok and Stone images, I still have more to explore, uh, new ways to approach the work, so the images just keep coming, uh, but now they are outside or beyond that original body of work. So the series has ended, uh, images and ideas remain, and now he's letting go of some of those limitations and just exploring the freedom of um, using the images in different ways. So it's it's a cycle that's really pretty interesting. And, you know, I think about, uh, well, I keep doing this after the pandemic, and I think I will. I think I'll just have a different, something else will be on my mind. I'll be going through something else, and I will keep keep doing this because it's um, really interesting. And I have no idea whether the images themselves will change. Um, it's kind of hard to know when you're in the middle of it, you know, what's going on. But uh, it doesn't matter, really. <laughs> it's just <laughs> very nice to do this every day. So it's a different take on working in series. And I, I just thought, you know, a lot of people right now are kind of limited in what they can do. Um, their space, their materials, whatever it is. And this is a really great way to, to keep involved. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Um, yeah, I, I think just to, just to say that we did present these two approaches. There are many more, um, two approaches to working in, in series that are involve quick work, work on paper. Sometimes people also make small paintings, and, and there's sort of a, a painting a day tradition that goes on um, in certain circles, often plein air circles. I think of that as a little bit different, um, because when you work on paper, 
in a sketchbook or just pieces of paper, there is something very um, kind of personal and intimate about that. It's like a journal. Uh, so I sort of uh, wanted to make that distinction. And so between the two ideas that I uh, presented here um, and more and, and taking off with this in your own thoughts, I hope there's just some ideas uh, here to inspire um, our listeners with their own practice of recording things, recording their thoughts and feelings and states of mind in a visual way, um, whether it's every day or whether it's as often as they can. And just to think, well, what might you gain from doing this? Um, I don't think you know until you try it. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.